Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate our young people. They, they add a lot to the service, and I'm glad for them. They're the ones that usually let me know if I've preached too long between them and Dean. <laughs> Young people, one of the things I love about them is they're honest. Amen. Well, did you count your blessings? I hope that if you haven't yet, that you'll take some time to. Certainly have much to be thankful for. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Zechariah, chapter 10. Zechariah, chapter 10. Only 12 verses tonight. And I'm not sure if I'll get past the first one or not, but <laughs> on Wednesday nights, I've been struggling to get through a phrase, let alone a verse, the last couple of weeks. And so we're just trying to, trying to mind the Lord. Zechariah chapter 10, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. You know, Jimmy asked for, and Brother Gary both asked for uh, words of testimony, but, you know, I was thinking something the Lord gave us, oh, I'm not sure, a couple weeks ago, and Zechariah has really been a blessing to me about how the Lord has already been working out a solution to my problems, a way of escape for the battles, even before the problems has ever happened, before the temptation has ever come, God has already been working on it well in advance. And that, that's just been a real blessing to me. And I, I guess it's all right to get blessed by my own preaching. <laughs> it's the Lord's Word, really, that's, that did the blessing. But uh, thankful for how the Lord revealed that to us. Thankful that He does work in advance. You know, uh, when Adam and Eve fell, when Adam and Eve fell, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ slain from the very foundations of the earth. Before they ever fell, the plan was in place. And whatever our situation, whatever the circumstances we may face this week or have faced, God has already begun and uh, working out a solution. And that encourages me tonight. Zechariah chapter 10, Ask ye of the Lord, rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain, therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. And the Lord of hosts hath visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as his godly, uh, goodly horse in the battle. Out of him shall come forth the corner, out of him the nail, out of him the battle bow, out of him every oppressor together. 
And they shall be as mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets of the battle, and they shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be confounded. And I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them again to the place them. And I have mercy upon them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them off, for I am the Lord their God, and will hear them. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their heart shall rejoice as though wa- uh, through wine, and yea, their children shall see it and be glad, and their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. I will, will hiss for them and gather them, for I have uh, redeemed them, and they shall increase as they have increased. And I will sow among them people, and will remember me from afar countries, and they shall live with their children and turn again. I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of the Assyria. And I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon and place shall not be found for them. And he shall pass through the sea and the affliction and shall smite the waves of the sea and the deeps of the river shall dry up and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down and the scepter of Egypt shall depart away. And I will strengthen them in the Lord and and they shall walk up and down in his name, saith the Lord. By the help of the Lord, I'd like to preach to us on praying in the promises. Praying in the promises. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessing of the service thus far. Anoint these lips of clay one more time. Lord, touch us that we might be a blessing and be glorified, we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. May be seated. At the historic Battle of Waterloo... The Duke of Wellington faced Napoleon. And of course, the battle took place not in England, and so they had to have a ship that went out and picked up the, and I know I'm going to say this word wrong, the uh, semaphore, you know, the guy with the flags. And so the guy from the, from the boat was making his flag symbols and, and spelling out. And so the, there on the cathedral... There in England, the semaphore began to spell out to the people what he had caught were the news that had come from from the ship. And he began to spell out and he said, Wellington defeated. And suddenly the fog was great and they couldn't see the, the semaphore any longer and All the way through London, the people began to be discouraged. The word began to spread that the Duke of Wellington had been defeated, and that was the news, and and people were, were of course, brokenhearted, and they were concerned, what does this mean, and and what's Napoleon going to do, and and, uh, are we looking at a battle here on our own home soil, and and of course, a lot of worry and a lot of concern, and and pretty soon the fog lifted, and the semaphore uh, began to, to spell out his message. Wellington defeated the enemy. And it changed the message completely when we had the whole. And I suppose for any of us that have been Christians for very long, there have been times that we have prayed, and it seems just like the, those people of London, that the clouds have rolled in. And maybe we've gotten a piece of the truth. Maybe we've, maybe we've gotten a hold of God's word. We've gotten a little part of it. And we're holding on to, on to that promise, that little bit of promise. But, 
but it doesn't look good and we're not sure how it's going to work out and we don't know what God's going to do and it just seems like we've got a, a, a big cloud between us and the Lord. But when the cloud rolls away and the Lord begins to tell us the full message, it just changes everything, doesn't it? I suppose the people of, of Zechariah's day must have thought that Zechariah had his head in the clouds as he began to give this prophecy. The, these people, this ragtag uh, people, these, these uh, men who, and women and children who've, who've known very little of freedom, they've spent most of their lives in captivity. They don't have a wall around their city. They don't have an army. They don't have any, any generals among them. They don't have anything that would, would even institute, would cause any one of us to think that, that victory was ahead. And the Lord is, is speaking through Zechariah and says, you're going to have victory. And you're going to defeat Egypt. And you're going to defeat the Assyrians. And you're going, you're going, to, just, you're going to conquer. And, pe- and I'm going to gather my people back until it's going to be so crowded, there's not going to be any room for anybody. Zachariah, did you fall and hit your head? <laughs> you know, sometimes we get a little bit that way, don't we? Someone gets a little bit encouraged in the Lord. Someone gets a little bit blessed, and, and, they're, and they're praying for certain things. And, and man, I, I, sometimes we think, man, are there, is their head stuck in the clouds? I have a confession. A year ago, I thought Alex's head was in the clouds. He said that we were going to have 100 for our, our, our uh, revival Friday night for the night of the lock-in. He said we were going to have 100. I thought he was crazy. I really did. We didn't even have that many here when, uh, uh, when we had uh, Chad's going away uh, service and we had a lot of people from the community. Uh, man, he's crazy. We're not going to have 100. You, that board mocks my faith or lack thereof. I'm hoping we break 100 so we can change it so it doesn't mock me anymore. What happened? Did, now, I, I don't suppose Alex had a promise from the Lord. He, at least he didn't tell me that. If he told me that, then I would hopefully I'd have had a different attitude about it. But what happens is sometimes we get a hold of a promise or we get a hold of, uh, of something that we believe. And, and, and sometimes other people look at us, other Christians look at us and say, wow, that you, wow, you're a little off the deep end. You're a little radical. You're, I mean, you're just, you're, man, you're, uh, it's all right for you to get religion, but you don't have to take it that far. And I think, I, I really kind of feel like that's kind of the attitude the people had to have. I mean, I know I'm reading into it. The Bible doesn't tell us what their attitude was. But I mean, these guys, I mean, it took them forever to build the temple. It's going to be years before they even get walls around their city. They don't have any weapons. They don't have anything going for them. There's no reason the people for that, that have fled to Egypt and, and to Lebanon and, and, and are captured in, a, in Assyria, there's no reason for them to come home. There's nothing to come home to. What do you mean it's going to be so crowded there's not going to be room for us to move? Zechariah, your head's in the clouds. Just a little crazy. 
And I think, man, Lord, help us to get some kind of head in the clouds kind of faith. Help us to get a, a glimpse of what you want to do for us. I, if it's of the Lord, I don't mind if all the world thinks that we're just a little crazy. I don't care if all the other churches think we're crazy. I want, I want to get a glimpse of what God wants to do for us. When God begins to make the promises that, we, that He's going to send the latter rain, and, and, and he, tells us that, he tells us there that we need to pray for the promises to be fulfilled. Why should we pray for the promises to be fulfilled? Why should we pray for that? If God's made a promise and God can't lie, why even bother? There's no sense in praying. We might as well. I mean, we can just take it to the bank. God said it. We believe it. It's good enough for me. I don't have to pray about it. Right? Wrong. There's some reasons that we need to we need to pray in the promises of God. And the first one is, is just simply because God told us to. And if that was the only one we had, that'd be enough. We might not understand the why. We might not have any, uh, any reason to, to do it other than that we were told by God to pray the promises of God. And yet that's enough. Do you know the promises of God? How many do you know? How many are you believing in? How many are you trusting in? How many have, have you taken to the Lord in your prayer time and said, Lord, this is the promise of God. This is in your word. This is what you said. I think sometimes we're, we're a little bit nervous to hold God to his word, but he wants us to. He wants us to. Some time ago, I had made a promise to, to Eliana, and life was busy, and, and I don't know what all happened, but I forgot my promise. I know, bad dad. <laughs> I simply forgot the promise I'd made her. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't, it wasn't any, any uh, wrongdoing, really, on my part, just... My, my forgetter works better than my rememberer. And I forgot. And I don't remember the whole details, but she reminded me sometime later of the promise that I had failed to remember. And she thought, of course, that I had broken the promise. And I said, no, I haven't broken the promise. I still have time to keep it. And I kept the promise because she held me to it. If she had have failed to remind me of the promise, I would have failed to have kept it. Now, does God forget his promises? No. Does God need reminded by his children? Absolutely not. But God is wanting to teach us something very important, and that is that we need to go to him and remind him of the promises we need to remind him of the promises. We need to pray the promises of God. because One of the reasons is we need to remember that he is the source of all blessings. 
He is the source. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Every single one of our blessings, every good thing that has come into our life has come from God's hand. You know what really gets me is when Christians pray about something and it comes through and the Christian and Christians say, what a coincidence. What? You know, when we don't pray, coincidence become, becomes a temptation to believe. When we don't, try, we don't pray and tell God we have this need and, and that we need him to keep this promise and, and that we're bringing this promise before him. When, when we don't have that, when we don't do that, well, we're just going to be tempted. Well, it, I guess it just, it just happened. You know, sometimes people say, well, I guess it would have happened anyway, whether I prayed or not. And maybe it would have. Maybe God would have kept his promise in spite of our lack of prayer. But prayer helps us to remember that he's the source of every good thing in our life. Every, every time we're protected, every time we, we get a sale, every time we get... We are able to go to work and, and get a paycheck every, every time that, that uh, our children uh, hug us and kiss our cheeks. or all Every single blessing comes from Him. And how quickly we can forget that. I worked for it and I earned it. Well, who gave you the health to work? Who allowed you to live in a country where you can get a job? But for the grace of God, we're not living on city dumps. Every good thing that we have, every blessing we have, it is borrowed from God. He's the source of all of our blessings. We need to pray to remind ourselves of how dependent we are on God. You know, it, I like to solve problems. It's just the way my mind works. You give me a problem, I'll give you a solution. I just do. It might not be the perfect solution. It might not solve your problem. It might make things worse, but I'll probably get you a solution. Usually it's a good solution. But it's just, it's, it's just the way that my mind works. My mind solves problems. I'm not good at working with my hands. I don't have any skill in, the, in that regard. But when my, uh, I don't remember if we were married yet, but we were at, we were at my father-in-law's and he was trying to change the back brakes and they'd gotten stuck in there and he was having issues and, and he took it, the hammer and he started just banging in there trying to get them out and he broke the pin that the brakes, springs are connect to, broke it right off. He come in the house, he was in a bad mood. Here he had broken off that pin, he didn't know what he was going to do. I'm not mechanical. I don't know anything about any of that. I am completely and totally dependent on other people to solve my mechanical issues. But I said to him, why don't you just drill a hole in it and put a bolt on it? That'll give you a new pin. 
he kind of mumbled and grumbled at me, and he went off to the to the hardware store, or set, told them, or to the auto parts store, told them what he did. He kind of was embarrassed, told them what he did, and he and the guy says, "Well, I've never had anybody in here tell me about this. I mean, no one's ever d- broken off that pin before." He says, "Why don't you drill a hole in it, put a bolt through it, and and, and use that?" He came back and he was kind of sheepish because I had the solution. (laughs) It's just the way my mind works. I like to solve problems. And I don't know why my the way why my brain works that way, and it's it's uh, sometimes it's a gift and sometimes it's a curse, I guess. But you know, I can start depending on my own solutions real quick. Got a problem? Well, let's, what do we have in the bank account? And, and uh, how, can we, who can we, how can we solve this? And, 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 I can, and if I'm not careful, I can start thinking up ways to solve my problem on my own without even factoring God into the equation. I believe that God gave me the ability to, to find solutions. I don't believe, I don't believe that that, is, that it's, comes from the enemy to try to trip me up. I believe it's a gift from the Lord. But here's the thing. I have to make sure that I pray the, in God's will first before I start acting and worrying and, and making things worse or even solving the problem and the problem's gone and feeling self-satisfied that I can do it without God's help. We need to, be da- to daily be reminded of our need and dependency on the Lord. Because so oftentimes we forget that the very breath we're breathing is borrowed. We forget that the water that we drink is on loan from the Lord. And all he has to do is withhold the rain. All he has to do is, 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 is stop the water from, from flowing. And, and suddenly we get desperate and suddenly the things begin to change. Go to a third world country where you have to buy your water. And suddenly you find yourself thanking the Lord for, for the ability to oh, turn on your faucet and drink the water that you have. Most of us have to even filter our American water, let alone what they're drinking over there. And we forget how dependent we are on the Lord. I know I do. Things get tight. Well, what can we do? What, odd job, what's something we can sell? What's the, what, you know? And we just begin. We just begin to try to solve the issues. Times we go to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, here's the problem. Here's how I'd like you to solve the problem. <laughs> and the Lord knows. I'm glad he remembers we're but dust. It's important for us to pray the promises of the Lord. It's important for us to to admit 
Lord, I don't have it all figured out. And I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it in my own wisdom. I'm dependent upon you, and I'm dependent on your wisdom. I'm dependent on, on your blessings. I'm dependent on you keeping your promises. I'm dependent on you. Because if I try to do it by myself, well, I know how I was before I was saved. And what a mess that was. I'd like to think I'm a little wiser, a little smarter than I was then. But I've seen too many who have gone back. And the wreck that they've made. Lord, help me to remember I'm dependent upon you. I can't do it. I can't do it. Zechariah begins to give his prophecy. And he begins to tell us about the enemies of the promises of God. Did you know there are enemies to the promises of God? And the first one he mentions is idols. Now, we don't worship idols. I don't think any of you have a Buddha in your, in your home. Rub his head or his belly or something, I don't know. I don't know what they do with their Buddhas. I don't think any of us here have any of the Indian gods, you know, the god of wealth and the god of love and all these things. I mean, some of them look pretty weird. None of us have an issue with idols like that. But you know what, what an idol really is? An idol is something that we begin to put our energies and our efforts and our trust in and we become kind of dependent upon those things too. And you know what is so tempting about an idol? Is that when God doesn't answer as quickly as we want him to, when, when the clouds come in, when the fog comes in, and God doesn't answer our prayer the way we want him to, we, have to, we go to the idol and say, idol, solve my problem for me. Solve it for me. God hasn't answered my prayer yet. And, the, and I believe one of the greatest times of temptation for us to take matters into our own hands and not trust the Lord is when the Lord delays. Saul had that problem. Samuel didn't show up in time, at least by Saul's standard, to sacrifice. And Samuel was delayed. God was delayed and the people are getting nervous, and Saul's getting nervous. And he decides that he's going to do the sacrificing because he needs to get on with things. And do you know the sacrifice wasn't a sacrifice for the Lord? It was a sacrifice to calm the people down so they wouldn't desert him in his time of need. It wasn't to get God's blessing as much as he may have thought it was. What does he tell Samuel? He says, the people pushed me to do it. We get antsy when God doesn't work on our time schedule. 
And you know what? As Americans, we may be the worst in the world, culture-wise, for having things on time schedules. I mean, we penalize airlines if they get behind. We, We want the trains to come in to the minute. And if there's a delay, we, we have digital signs that tell us how long the delay is. So that we know. I mean, now we have on the highways, it tells us how long until we, we get to that, you know, on digital, this many minutes till we get to this exchange. Till we get to this exit, this many minutes based on the weather and traffic patterns. We, I mean, we are so, we've got our GPSs that tell us how, what time we shall arrive and how many, if we, I, I won't ask, but I suppose there's probably many here that try to beat that time. Guilty parties are all admitting it. I can hear, I can hear their nose. <laughs> Don't we? We want to beat that time. It says we're going to get there at 5 o'clock. We want to get there at 4.58. As a culture, as a people, we want things to be done yesterday. We're used to microwaves. And we want things to happen quickly. And we want it now. And God says, wait. And we say, yuck. (coughs) The rain's not coming when we need it to, prophet. The rain's not coming. We need the latter rain so that we can have a harvest. We need a, a harvest this year, prophet, and the rain's not coming. We've prayed and we've prayed and we've asked God to send the rains. I think we're gonna I, I, I think maybe we need to pray to, to Baal again. Maybe we need to pray to the Assyrian God of rain. Maybe we need to put our trust in Uncle Sam. Maybe we need to take out a loan. Not that there's always not that that's always the wrong thing. But we get ahead of God sometimes. I'm afraid a lot of times. And we say, God, do it now. And when God doesn't do it now, there's a real temptation to go to an idol, something else that we can trust and rely on and say, all right, Grandma, bail me out. God's saying to us, hold on. I'm going to keep my promises. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to run to an idol. You don't have to run to something else. You can put your trust and your confidence in me. Just keep holding on. Keep praying the promises of God. I promise to take care of you. And I will. Another enemy to the promises of God is false teachers. You know, it amazes me when we get desperate, we'll do crazy things. 
And you know what's scary to me? Is it seems like it's the Christians that are the quickest to go off on the latest crazy thing that comes down the pike. You know, we put our trust and confidence in God more than we put our trust in science. And we should. But that doesn't mean that anything that comes out that it doesn't have any scientific base should we put our trust in. Oh, I'm getting close. Don't mention essential oils. I won't. I won't. I promise. I won't mention them. I promise I didn't. I... But man, we got, let's, let's check out the acupuncture. If I ever allow anybody to stick needles into me, I am dying, okay? <laughs> Not happening. Oh, there's a faith healer over here that people are getting healed on. Let's go to their service and let's see if we can get healed. I was reading about one of these faith healers. Uh, they were going through the offerings after the service, and any check that was less than, I think, $50, they were throwing it in the dumpster. It wasn't worth the time of signing it and cashing it. They didn't need your small little donation. They, all they cared about was the cash and the bigger checks. And we'll go after the false teachers and I don't get this, but people who believe in God who check their horoscopes and call the psychic network. I mean, really? Not us, preacher. I know, not us. Not us. We don't do the acupuncture and we don't do, we don't do the... And, and I don't know the acupuncture doesn't have any science behind it. I don't know. All I'm just trying to say is is we better be real careful about the false teachers that come along. And here's what's scary, is that we have fewer and fewer people who are answering the call and filling our pulpits. We've, we have a tendency to feed on radio preachers and, and televangelists and people that, that are teaching false doctrine. thought it was interesting, one of those that that so many of my family gets after. Benny Hinn. I mean, I have, I have family members that send them money. I always wish they'd send me money. They send him money. And you know, he, just a, a month or so back, he, he said, you know, I've, I've been under conviction. The Lord's been showing me. He says, I've been preaching a false doctrine. He admitted it. He didn't give the people their money back. But he says, I need to make some changes. Man, God still answers prayer. He's still speaking to people. But we go after those things. You know, I don't like all these rules. I like that church down the road that lets us do whatever we want and still go to heaven. I'll tell you what, if you can do what you want and go to heaven, go ahead. But I'm not playing that game. When I realize that I've got one chance to determine the eternal destiny of my soul, I'm not playing fast and loose with it.
I'm not going to gamble my soul on an easy way just because a lot of people are going after it. Just not. It's not worth it. And even if I could get in, I've seen too many of those that have gone that way, their children have totally walked away from the faith. And if I, even if I can make it uh, into heaven doing what I want, if I lose my kids in the process, is it really worth it? I'd wear all black and live without electricity and without running water. I'd be more... Uh, legalistic than the Amish if that's what it took to get my kids to heaven. I don't think that's the way it is. But there's not any rules. There's not, there's not anything that God should be able to ask of us that we'd say no if we realize the value of our soul. But the false teachers will come along and they'll give the false dreams and the false promises. I'm nervous because we've got, we've got people that are going, claiming to be prophets and to tell people their futures in the name of God. And they go from church to church like evangelists, but they're there to prophesy over people. We better be careful what we're listening to, folks. Better be careful about the false teachers. Some time ago, someone sent me a, a link. A, a preacher was on YouTube, and, and he was saying that to say that God is a God of justice is wrong. We should never say that. God doesn't say that. God says that He is a God of love. I said, what do you think about this? And I said, it's heresy. And I, and I found a scripture that talked about God and His justice, that He is a God of justice. It says it says it. But you know what we want? We want a God of love. And that God just loves us and he just, just everybody's just going to be okay because he loves us. But you know what? We've got, a, we've got other problems. We've got people in, in our own circles that, man, you can't do anything to please God. We've got young people that can't get through and can't get saved because they've got, they serve a God who, who, who's difficult and, and doesn't answer her when he, they call on him and confess their sins and want to be saved. They've got a God that's a cruel, awful tyrant. And they're in our circles. And use our same denominational name. And folks, they're false teachers. I don't care if they have our same denomination. I don't even care if they're on our general board and they want to believe that nonsense. I'm going to call it out. It's false. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and ye shall be saved. Not maybe, not if God's in the mood, not if God, you know, just, you know, just the stars align just right. Not because you prayed long enough or you've cried long enough or you promised enough. That's a work salvation. It's a cruel tyrant God. And that's not the God I serve. And that's not the God of the Bible. And we better get to the place where we care more about truth than we care about fitting in. And I understand. I understand that, that, that we've got to try to get along. But, but folks, when we wrap around weights around our young people's feet and they can't get anywhere spiritually and they're drowning spiritually because of false teaching. We better be careful. 
We better be real careful. I hate to say it, but twice I've worked with people around the altar, sometimes with my Bible opened, showing them the scriptures, and I had someone of that, of that ilk come and start arguing with me as I'm trying to help a soul get saved. They're more concerned with their false doctrine than they are about the soul trying to get saved. Twice I've had it happen to me since I've been here. Not in this church, thank the Lord. False teachers will rob us of the promises of God. God won't bless over top of us following after the false teachers and the, and the male goats. You know how a male goat leads? With his horns. He beats the others into submission. And when you see a leader... Christian or otherwise, who beats others into submission, they're not of God. And dads, let me just say here, as dads, we better be careful. Doesn't mean we don't discipline, but if we've got to lord it over and we've got to power and control and, and have our way, we better be real careful. That we're of the Lord and not of ourselves. False teachers and, and male goats stand in the way of God's promises. You know, it's why we got to pray about these, these promises. we got to keep praying in them so that, so that we can be careful and God can reveal to us when we're listening to false teachers and when we're, and, and when we're being influenced by the male goats and we're being influenced by the idols of this world. Listen, I, when I was a young person, I used to hear other young people say, the church always tells us the things we can't do. It never tells us the things we can do. It's why we have a lock-in. It's why we try to have activities that, for our young people and, and the laser tag and the so forth. We want to have that because you know what? We don't want our young people to believe God is a God of no. God is a God of yes. When it's safe. When it's helpful. When it's encouraging and uplifting. God wants his people to have a good time. Sometimes we've turned God into this great big ogre who just doesn't want his people to have a good time. Unless we're eating it, then where it's okay. <laughs> Do you know Christians are, I think it's 20 pounds heavier than non-Christians? Because we like to eat. Guess we can't do anything else. We've got to say no to everything else, so we've got to eat. No joke. I think it's 20 pounds, if I remember this research correctly. Christians weigh 20 pounds heavier than their non-Christian counterparts. I guess we've got to make extra room for, uh, for the Lord to be in us, I guess, you know, to fill us up a little more. I don't know. Why isn't God answering our prayers? Why isn't God answering your prayers? 
What have you allowed in between? Who are the voices that have an influence over your life? Who's pulling and tugging on your heart? You know, I'm, as we get into a, an age where we're so connected, everybody's connected. The biggest companies in our social media and I mean, I didn't even know that when I was a young person, this wasn't even a job, but you can make a lot of money just being an influencer. And all you got to do is take pictures of yourself and post them on Instagram and make money. Nobody's paying for my picture yet, though. <laughs> Who's influencing you? Is it that half-dressed girl on Instagram? Hollywood producers that, that have a gay character in every single show and every single movie nowadays? How violent is the show you, uh, that movie you just watched? How many people were murdered in it? How many times was God's name used in vain? Preacher, you're meddling, I know. But we've got some things clogging the channels and we're not having answers to prayer like we're supposed to have. We're listening to voices that we shouldn't be listening to. And when problems come and when our prayers aren't getting answered, what's happening is, is we're running to the entertainment of this world in order to ease our minds and give us an escape from our suffering. It's getting to the place that, that the online world, the virtual reality, is becoming such... In fact, this is, uh, this is a secular thing. They're saying that the online real is be, world is so much of the... Uh, taking up so much of our time that real life is actually taking a break from that instead of the other way around. And we need our likes so that we can feel good about ourselves. And we have to have the plot of people. Folks, we're missing out on the blessings of God because we're listening to the false teachers of this world. And I suppose there were some that were mad at Zechariah for telling him that. I'm sure there were some that said, Zechariah, we wish you'd just sit down and be quiet. You already preached 25 minutes. That's all I've preached, right? <laughs> but man, an hour and 45 minute movie about why it's okay to, to fight and solve problems with violence and have a relationship with someone we're not married to. And man, we can sit there for an hour and 45 minutes and just suck it in. And it's okay. Do we want revival or do we want to be entertained? Sometimes I wonder if we do, 
we, we draw a, a bigger crowd and have more excitement around here if instead of having evangelists, we'd hire a clown. People come. We can put a trapeze in here. You know what? There have been some revivals that I've been a part of that I think just as much spiritual business was done in those kind of environments as there would be in some of those revivals. Because we'd rather listen to the voices that just tell us it's okay. It's going to be all right. You know what? It's going to cost us something if we're going to have the promises of God. It's going to cost us something. And it's going to have to be a turning away from the idols of this world, a turning away from the voices of those male goats that beat people down. Don't believe like us? We'll close down you. We'll shut your voice down. We'll t- Folks, we've got to get to the place where we want the sincere milk of God's word. Where that's what we truly hunger for. When we say, Lord, I need to have a word from you today that I'm so desperate for a truth from you. Oh God, I'm not leaving this t- my place of, of devotions. I'm not leaving my prayer closet until I get a word of truth from you. I'm desperate. I'm starving for spiritual truth. When's the last time we've been so hungry for spiritual truth that we've tarried in the prayer closet until he came? How long has it been since we've dug into the Word? Not just read it because we needed to get our 15 minutes in before we go to work, but we dug in. Said, Lord, show me the truth. You know what happens? It's usually not until we're desperate do we get to that place. And the reason we're not having a revival is because we're not desperate. We've hewn for ourselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. And we don't even know we're thirsty. What do you want? You know, I really believe that most of life comes down to that question. What do you want? I know it sounds selfish and self-focused, but I really believe that the answer to that question unlocks our, our privileges and our problems. It unlocks our blessings and our storms. The answer to that question really reveals why our life is the way it is. What do you want? And how much will you pay for it? Jesus said a man found in a field a treasure, a pearl of great price. He He found a treasure. And you know what he did? He went home and he sat down and his lazy boy and turned on 
Netflix, and didn't worry about it. That's not what he did. Found that treasure, and he, Jesus said, you know what he did? He went home, and he took everything out of his house, and he had a yard sale. And he sold it all off. He said, I'm going to go and buy that field because there's a treasure in it I have to have. A man found a pearl of great price. What did he do? He didn't go home and say, you know what, honey? I saw something wonderful today. Too bad we'll never own it. No, he said, he put a for sale sign in the front yard. He said, we're selling the house. We're selling the car. We're selling, we're selling it all because I got to have that pearl. The question, what do you want, reveals what you have. And we have just exactly what we want. What you possess, what you have, is exactly all that you want. Because if you wanted it, you'd have a fire sale. A lot of people want to get to heaven, but they want to get there on the cheap. JetBlue doesn't sell tickets. There's no discount airlines. You got to pay full price. What you want is exactly what you have, spiritually speaking. Invite us to stand this evening. Father, Zechariah preached a, an incredible message of things that stood in the way of the blessings of God, the promises that he had promised them. The latter rain that was promised is missing. Probably a delay. Probably didn't happen just as quick as the people wanted. And so their hearts begin to wander. And Lord, there's, there's been a cry for, for years that, oh Lord, that we would have revival, that you would send your spirit, that you'd pour out your spirit. And you promised you would. You promised to pour out your spirit in the last days. But there's been a delay. Father, I believe that we have allowed the false teachings, the voices of this world to rob us of what you want to give us. Help us, Lord to know exactly what we want and to be willing to pay the price to get what you want to give us. One's come to the altar. I, I just wonder if maybe there might be someone else that just says the Lord's been putting his fingers on something. Maybe you just want to say, Lord, it, it's all for sale, whatever it is. But I have to have that pearl. I have to have that treasure. What's standing in the way? What's standing in your way of getting what you really want? What God has already promised you? Is it prayerlessness? Is it a false teaching? Is it a voice you just won't turn your back on that's from this world? Are you ready for revival? 
Not is the church ready, not is your spouse or your children ready, but are you ready for revival? It's really the question. Are you ready? All right, as many as that would, let's gather together and let's pray. And if you must go, please do so quietly and reverently. And let's all, each of us, be praying and asking God to show.